Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I retired as a sergeant out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And these are the special shows I do with some of the best that the officers, detectives, sergeants, lieutenants, chiefs that the NYPD ever produced. And tonight is no exception. Uh, he's actually was was here almost exactly a year ago on Police Off the Cuff when we shot it down on Worth Street. And um, he's known a lot to a lot of people because he's a very unselfish retired member of the service. He was actually the most highly decorated police officer who retired as a police officer in NYPD history. So he knows how to walk the walk and he can talk the talk too. But the most unselfish thing that he does to this day is he runs the NYPD Valor site on Facebook, and he also has another uh, Valor site that he that he keeps on the web. And what he does is he celebrates the great arrests that members of the NYPD make. Anti-crimes can't wait to go on Facebook, the NYPD Valor site, to see who made a gun collar the night before, because they know they're on the phone with Walter Wazalewski, who's putting uh, their feats on the air on Facebook. So without further ado, let me welcome retired police officer, friend of mine, great guy, Walter Wazalewski. Hey, Bill, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, one year flew by kind of quick. Yeah, it's um, and think of the year it was. Oh, you know? God, I don't know. Maybe maybe we disturbed the gods and uh, <laughs> the demons of the, of the low, but yeah, it's been a, a year to say the least. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks uh, for having uh, me again. I appreciate it. Hey, it's it's a pleasure, and you know something, I get such a kick out of going on the sites and seeing you posting these gun collars from these great anti crimes that are still out there doing God's work, even though it's 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 crazy out there, as we all know. You, you know, know I tell you, uh, you always hear this a lot. You hear it a lot in the military. You hear it a lot in the police. That, like the greatest generation, and they all oh, they don't make cops like that anymore. And I got to strongly disagree with that. Uh, they make them just as good, and sometimes better. You know, you, you got these uh, officers out there every day. The odds are against them. I mean, between the COVID, which is, uh, when is the last time something this tragic has happened? A hundred plus years ago? Uh, the, the public lately, I mean, they, they're getting a bad name with the, with the, with the riots and the, the, the BLM movement and the Antifa movement and just everything that's going on. And yet, day after day, you got these, these cops coming in with, you know, all these arrests and and gun arrests, and they're still out there doing, you know, as you know, that term, God's work. Yeah, that's for sure. Walter, I'm going to share the screen there. And you put that up on the site, and it's showing that uh, the NYPD has made 803 gun arrests th this year. And, and for the and year, yeah, yeah. And March isn't even over yet. And yeah, it's crazy. It, I mean, it's, it's I, there's some precincts, like I, I put a lot, like, you know, my day starts in the morning. I have my coffee, and I have a lot of officers that write me direct, and they say, hey, we got one last night. You know, I get texts 3 o'clock in the morning, and, <laughs> and it's cool. You know, I'll wake up, and I'll, you know, and I'll put it on and then go back to bed. And uh, the 7-3 in Brooklyn, you know, has been notoriously famous for bringing in a lot of guns. And recently, I haven't seen anything. And then next thing you know it, boom, I get a thing. They made, like, I don't know, 8 or 12 gun arrests in, like, four days. That's that's incredible, and and what they're up against too, in getting these guns is is unbelievable. 
because it's it, it, it's insane. I mean, look, and, and now especially like the criminal justice system. I mean, what they did this bail reform. It's it's insanity. I mean, I, don't quote me on this number, but it's like ninety percent of people that got arrested with a gun are let out. They're let right out. It's uh, it's really pathetic when you think about it. That that's that's what's happening out there because, and the fact that they're also hampered by, uh, the diaphragm law which, you know, they potentially could get in trouble for doing the right thing and also for new uh, restrictions in regards to stop, question, and frisk. I can't imagine how much paperwork there is to fill out during a stop, question, and frisk. Yeah, I mean, like the diaphragm law, like you said, not only could they get in trouble, they can get hurt or killed. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's the old saying on the street, as you know, probably better than I do, he who hesitates could die. That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, there was a um, there was a video of uh, two cops from the two five. I don't know if you've you've watched it. In fact, I'm going to see if I can pull it up. And they were really reluctant to um, to get into it with the perp because I'm, I'm going to show it right now if I can pull it up. Are we talking about the shooting with the knife? No. Oh, that was the gun. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show it from the beginning. I got you. Now you can see the officer is afraid to put his knee down on the guy's back, like it needs to be done. Now, as you can see, he's emboldened, right? See, now she pulled her gun. If I had a guess, without hearing the sound. They knew he had a gun. Yeah. Now she's right in that battle. Look at that. Now, again, if they know he has a gun, all bets are off. I agree. All bets but are off. And, you know, <laughs> when someone has a gun on them and they're continuing to fight like that, you know, it's one thing possessing a gun; it's bad enough. But to put on a battle like that, you know, there, there, there's a good chance they they have intent to use it. He's gonna pull out the gun right now. There you go. Oh yeah, look at the handle. Yeah. You know what? Great well, job by the great job by the officers. They got it done. They didn't get hurt. But I I, I blame this a lot on the city council, the, the politicians, and and some of the administration. Where you know you know it's making cops second guess themselves, and they know the guy has a gun. It's it so ridiculous. One hundred ten percent. All the necessary. I mean, at that point, they could have shot him. You're they right. could use deadly physical force. But Walter, what I'm what I'm saying though, and um, I don't want to criticize those cops. They they they're working with within the parameters that they're being restricted with, and I think they need to show that video to the city council, and show the animal that they've created with this diaphragm law. Yeah, you know? it's bad. It's bad, and unfortunately, cops are going to get hurt and or killed, and and you know the, the public is also going to you know pay for it. That's for sure. 
And you know something that's amazing that even with all these restrictions, the NYPD is still making gun collars, which is incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it really is. And I, I, again, those those cops did a great job. They got the gun off the perp. They didn't get hurt. Perp didn't get hurt. Everybody goes home. They got a good gun arrest. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree, though. I definitely agree. It's uh, it's sad, and I feel bad for them. Walter, you know, I wanted to uh, mention to our guests, anyone that knows Walter knows he's pretty buff, and he's always working out with weights and stuff. And Walter uh, had a little battle with COVID uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, right? Well, it actually was, it actually was in, in January it, it first hit me, and, and I got hit bad. I mean, uh, you know, the COVID, I lost my uncle who was on the job. Uh, he was a second grade detective of transit, uh, and he he was uh, in a veterans nursing home, and uh, you know he passed away from COVID. So I know it's a serious. I mean, obviously it's serious. Many many cops on the job are were on ventilators and and so on. But you know, I I took it very serious. I mean, I was <laughs> I was going out to get the you know mail in like a spacesuit, uh, but somehow some way I got it. And, and it hit me hard. I mean, it really, I lost 20 pounds. Uh, it's, I mean, total time period. It's over two months now. I still don't have my taste or smell back. Uh, I put some of the weight back, but, you know, obviously none of the muscle. I mean, I feel I'm looking in the video compared to the last time, and I'm, I look like uh, I just got out of uh, a concentration camp, God forbid. But uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm happy to be alive. It's, uh, I still have some issues, like I said. I'm going, I'm going to doctors currently. I got an appointment tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, it's no joke, man. It's, it's tough disease. You know something it's, it, it certainly is. And I'm glad that, uh, you're better now. And, uh, sometimes it could be a long road to recovery, but I know you're up to the task. Uh, Brooklyn in the rare old times, Walter is the man, a true cops cop. He has a site beyond the line of duty dedicated to the most decorated members of the NYPD. You got big fans, Walter. No, that's and, nice. You know what? I appreciate that. I get a lot of. A lot of emails and a lot of, you know, people that write me through Facebook or text me or whatever. And and just just good, good, good words of, you know, of, of thanks for, you know, for the site and, and acknowledging them. And, you know, it gives them, like you said, a lot of cops, you know, they turn on the computer. They, oh, let's, you know, let's see who, who came up with the gun, who got. So, I'm, I'm, you know, honestly, to me, that means the world. I do it just I do it for them and I do it, you know, just get them out in the public. Walter, we have uh, a big fan of ours. Uh, actually, they're uh, a couple, uh, Peter uh, and Rachella Pranzo. And Lieutenant Peter Pranzo is a Medal of Valor winner from uh, Street Crime. He was a 3-2 uh, Lieutenant Street Crime, and he worked in Brooklyn. And he's a, he's a real uh, – he has a bo- book out called The Harlem Raiders. He's yeah, Pete Pranzo, he's also, he's also a Combat Cross recipient. Wow. I, I, I thought he was just a Medal of Valor. No, two-time medal day. Wow. Yeah, Pete, yeah. Pete, now I like you even more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good guy, too. And i tell you why. He's one of my biggest supporters on, on the uh, Valor page, on the uh, on the Facebook NYPD Valor page. You know, Walter, tell uh, tell the uh, our listening audience what cops do uh, when they make a gun collar to get recognized on your, on your Facebook Valor page. Well, basically – uh, in the morning, I, I, I get up, have my coffee. I scroll through news media, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and then I, a lot of people direct, you know, certain a boss will write me and say, hey, one of my guys grabbed somebody last night and they'll send me a photo. 
I just do a quick blurb. Uh, you know, police officer so-and-so, if I have their names, uh, you know, made a gun arrest and I put the photo on. And that's it. I mean, that's, you know, just kind of, and I don't limit it to just gun arrests. I mean, I do a lot of rescues, uh, you know, just good arrests. People want, I, I just did something the other day to somebody jumped the turnstile. It turns out he was wanted for, you know, like a couple robberies and I think he had a gun on him and, you know, so it's just not always about guns. It's just about, you know, going, going beyond the line of duty, which is the name of my other face, uh, my, my website beyond the line of duty. Well, Look, uh, here's a picture of you from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's some hair and, there. and you had some hair back then, Walt. Yeah, right? yeah. What kind of gun is that you're holding? That's a the the one in my left hand that looks like a it almost looks like a the old M16. That's a it's a bullpup 12 gauge pump shotgun. Uh, the other one's a sawed off double barrel. I believe it was a double barrel shotgun. And then there's a, a little I think it was a 32 or 38 revolver. Uh, that was actually an interesting story. Uh, that was like, in, I, if I had a guess off the top of my head, 1988. And uh, I got a guy coming out of a building. And sure enough, he's adjusting the gun in his waistband. I'm in uniform. I'm in a marked police van. He sees me. He runs in a building. I chase him up the stairs. He runs into an apartment. So during those days, there was rumors, quote unquote, that we would just go in and kick the door in. Right. And has that ever happened? And legally, can you do that? Yes. But this particular time, there was a lot of stuff going on in the department. So I was like, you know what? I got a man contained in an apartment. I says, I got on the radio. I called for emergency service. I called for the supervisor. And before you know it, I mean, aviation was there. The news was there. Uh, and then, you know, long story short, the, the, perp, the apartment he goes into, he goes up a fire escape into another apartment. So we end up going into the apartment and he changed his clothes. So now he's sitting on the floor with like seven guys. They all look similar, you know, all around the same age. And I'm like, you know, I'm talking to them and no one spoke English. And and sure enough, I, I knew it was the guy. But I said, let me, you know, let me just, you know, make positive it was him. Right. And I checked everybody's chest. And again, I knew it was the guy. I, I, I knew it was. He was sweating. Right. His hands were dirty from climbing the fire escape. I, you know, I positively identified him. But, you know, there's always you, – you don't want that one million percent. And sure enough, his heart was coming through his chest. You know, and then when okay. I – you know, the other people eventually said, hey, you know, that this is – you know, don't – you know, we're just like a, a working family. And this guy came budging through our window. That's the so, old uh, trick. Aaron Rodriguez, thank you. Yeah. Aaron Rodriguez, thank you so much for that $20 super chat. Peter Pranzo, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. You enable us to keep doing this show. Hello, Scott Wagner. Uh, MC's audio, Oscar Ferrafino, he's becoming a big fan. Uh, Joan Guerrero, Brooklyn, the rare old times, Christopher Strom, my good buddy. Uh, Stephen Revo Gates, Miss Angela Lapp, 3233. Uh, Cat in the Hat, she's back. Good to see you, Cat in the Hat. Joey Brooklyn, what up, buddy? How you doing? Great to see all you guys here. MC's audio, everyone welcome. Thank you so much. We have one of the really true, unselfish members of the service. And he, I got to admit, he's a buff. He's a bit of a buff. But he's celebrating fellow cops and making this job something really proud to be part of. And uh, that's one of the things that I'm so happy that Walter does this because he's also a, a, a medal of uh, honor and valor, a historian. 
he knows more about the NYPD medals than the police department does. You want to give us a, you want to give us a little piece of history on some of the medals, Walt? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. I mean, NYPD has an annual medal day every year. Uh, it originally, well, I won't say originally, but uh, in recent years, there's uh, the highest medal is the Medal of Honor. Uh, the second second after that is the Combat Cross, Medal for Valor. They have a, a medal that's not off, not really awarded too often. It's called the Purple Shield, and that's a medal that they they came up with uh, for cops that were seriously injured in the line of duty, uh, more so like uh, other than uh, getting shot. So car accidents, uh, heart attacks, things you know, somebody taking taking action during uh, during police, you know, official police duties, and they either life-threatening or, or crippling, disabilitating injuries and or death. Uh, and then they have, after 9-11, they, they started awarding a medal called the Distinguished Service Medal, which is awarded to officers that uh, have passed away from sickness, from illness, related to 9-11. And unfortunately, I mean, when that medal was first awarded, uh, I think it was 2005, don't quote me on that off the top of my head, maybe there was like five, six medals awarded. Now there's like 30, 40 awarded every year. Wow. Yeah. So we're losing. I mean, you know, after, I mean, we lost 23 police officers, you know, detectives uh, and bosses total uh, that were NYPD that died during 9-11. They were awarded the Medal of Honor. And then since then, I mean, it's it's got to be, uh, God, I should know this off the top of my head, three or 400, give or take, uh, that have passed away since 9-11, you know, from, uh, you know, cancer-related or heart-related issues. Yeah, it's really tragic. You know, in fact, you know, I guess when you get to um, my age and I'm a little older than you, uh, a lot of the people that you worked with start to die, you know, either from natural causes or in our case, some 9-11 cancer. I like to just give a shout out to um, a recent me a member of the service who recently passed away. Great guy, Mike Guglielmoni, who... Um, finished his career as a detective in the 19th squad. There wasn't a nicer guy on this job that I ever met. And uh, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. I just want to shout out to all of his friends and his family and just that we appreciated him. He was a, he's a great man. As we say, until Valhalla, you know, maybe rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's unfortunate uh, that we're losing so many. And then, you know, there's a lot of people that are just, I mean, that may not pass, but are sick. You know, very, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you know dozens and upon dozens that who doesn't have uh, acid reflux, respiratory, you, you know, just so many different things are popping up. And then you throw in the COVID on top of it. And that's, you know. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I have to I'm getting my second shot this Saturday for um, at the Javits Center for the COVID. And I always thought that right out of the box, they should have taken care of all members of the service retired and especially 9-11 first responders i'm not sure if you're aware of it but the department is actually doing that they they set it up yeah, on Rodman's neck yeah i know i i got it before that though the, i got uh, you yeah so yeah but they i thought that they should have uh had that going right out of the box you know but there's a lot of politics to it unfortunately unfortunately you know, you know i live up in uh i'm a little bit north of the city i'm up in duchess and from what I understand, there's not many places that have it up here. And I don't know this officially, but whoever runs the Dutchess County or whatever, I guess, had a a tiff with Cuomo. And, and I think they're holding up some of the vaccines. I mean, that's 
That's criminal. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, but that's I don't know if you could put the, how they could prove that or if it's even true or whatever. But you know, it's just it's again, it's sad, it's sad stuff. Walt, I know that uh, you know people that don't know you, they want to hear a little bit more about your police career in the four four precinct and tell us like what the four four precinct was like. Four back six, in... four six. Oh, I thought you I, were a four I, four guy. No, no, four six, four six. I was in. The, they call it the Alamo. Okay. We covered uh, one point two square miles. And they used to call it the most dangerous mile in America. <laughs> uh, at one point, we had almost 100 homicides in a year in one square mile. Uh, our precinct, when I first got there, I got there in, uh, in 87. At one point, we had over 400 police officers on the three tours, you know, the 8 to 4, 4 to 12, and the midnights, to cover one square mile. Now, that's not counting... The specialized units, narcotics and and street crime and, and, and all the other units, you know, emergency service. That's just precinct level personnel, 400 people to cover one square mile. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We had some uh, some famous and some infamous cases that took place. And I don't know if you if you remember the viewers remember the, the Eleanor Bumpers case. Yes. Yes. There was a emotionally disturbed uh, woman. Uh, she happened to be like 300 pounds. And she had a just outrageous butcher knife, like kitchen knife. And, uh, you know, the cops went there. They went there. And eventually he she went to go stab a cop and they shot her. And uh, that was uh, was Stephen Sullivan, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, 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 they locked him up and they, they you know, he, he went through hell. And I mean, in reality, I mean, it's unfortunate somebody's life had to be taken. But uh, again, that happened in the four six. You know, that yeah. was that was an incident that totally rewrote the response to EDPs. Yeah, uh, yeah, that changed big, it. You know, the big term was um, isolate and contain, right? And for our fans that are non-police, EDP stands for Emotionally Disturbed Person. I know sometimes non-police personnel think we speak in another language with all the, <laughs> the policisms, the copisms, yeah, We, we got to catch ourselves and do some right? translations, you know? Yeah, you know, um, someone so, – uh, Walt, can I just do one more shout-out? Yeah. Uh, the gentleman from Brooklyn just remind me, Brooklyn and the Rail Times, Tim Motto from the 2-8 Precinct just passed away the other day. And he was a big champion of uh, getting to the bottom of the Phil Cardillo case and yeah, the Moss case. Was, yeah, in Harlem, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, we actually had Randy Jurgensen on this podcast. Who Ooh, wrote he's the, a Medal of Valor recipient. That's right. He, and he wrote The Circle of Six. So I just yes, wanted, good luck. So, uh, I wanted to shout out to uh, – to, uh, excuse me, Tim, well, Tim Motto, right? I'm sorry. Tim. And, uh, yeah, as I said, he was a big champion of the Cordillo. So may he rest in peace. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, but, yeah, 4-6, we had the uh, another famous case was Larry Davis. Uh, he shot five cops, and uh, he went – You know, we had Rick uh, Martinez on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, and Combat Rick Cross Mar recipient. Rick Martinez was a superhero in that case. He saved the lives of many ESU cops. Gaspar R., thank you so much for the 1999 super sticker. I really appreciate this, you guys, very Good much stuff. so. Yeah, I mean, there was some crazy stuff that happened uh, in the 4-6, right? Didn't they have that big shootout on the concourse where there was about 150 shots fired? <laughs> that at the time that was the most shots fired in the history of the NYPD, you know, recorded 
at one incident, and there was actually a lot more shots fired. What happened with that was, was there was a some crazed crackhead. That's when crack with that was like I think in '87 or '86, uh, or maybe '85. I don't know. It was in the mid '80s, '85, '80. You know, some crackhead. What he did was he went into a building and he ripped off a drug dealer, pulled a gun on him. He, and, and then as people were coming in to buy crack, he would just rob them. <laughs> so the crackheads were coming out, pulling up. Yeah, there's a guy with a gun, just robbed us. So when the cops came, he ended up running the building and he ran out the building. You know, they, he ran by the, And then finally somebody, you know, recognized the description and it was a running gun battle in the Grand Concourse. I think it was like 150. I, I saw I saw the video to that, and luckily you cops the cops involved, and it didn't shoot each other. You know because there, there were was cops so many jumping shots. over. I mean, you talk about horrible. That was another thing that changed the job with tactics, and and unfortunately, I hate to say it, and, and the job has come a long way since then. But back in those days, it was always reactionary, like the Ellen bumpers. They didn't like the way it was. Obviously, they didn't like you know quote unquote like the way it was handled. So they reacted. They changed the procedure. And I guess you can always get better as time goes on. But in reality, it should be proactive. Let's let's make things better now before it's an you know questionable or an oops or or you know. But yeah, that changed that changed uh, <laughs> a few things with the. You know, Walt. Uh, I also I wanted to shout out Scotty Wagner, uh, a housing cop, great detective. He wanted to shout out to the four six housing cops, and yeah, we certainly. Uh, couldn't do the job without the backup of uh, NYPD housing. And Kerry Shocked, I recognize his name. I hope I pronounced his last name. I know he's a highly decorated uh, member of the service. Kerry, Kerry, Kerry's uh, he he was awarded the Medal of Honor. He he was got his first check. I think he was still in training, you know, the academy type thing. And he got his first check, and he goes to the bank to cash the check, and. And it turned out it was three perps. He gets into a gun battle with two of them. You know, a bit wild chase. You know, they get the car, they get the perps, they recover the money, and, and they had like seven sticks of dynamite in the car. Wow. Terry was awarded the uh, at the time it was before the merge. Housing was separate. They had a separate medal day. He was awarded their medal of honor, and he's also a medal for valor recipient from housing for a fire rescue. And he's a good guy. And he's That's a veteran. Great. <laughs> I'll tell you something that uh, all of these guys, all these heroes, they they really appreciate what you do, Walt, and so do I. You know. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. That's you know that makes it all worth it. You know. Hot lunch. I remember that term, hot lunch. That was great for our for our fans out there. When you did a car stop, and one of the occupants had a gun, or you spotted a gun in the car, you wouldn't yell "gun." You would say "hot lunch" because if you yelled "gun." The rest of the occupants of the car would run all different ways. I got so, a good story. I, I got a good story <laughs> pertaining to that. So I worked before I retired. My my last partner was a lieutenant, you know, and he's still on a job. Great guy and a great cop. But he was a, he was a, in street crime for a while. So they used that term hot lunch. And as you said, you use it so you don't raise up the suspicions of the bad guy that they know you know that they have a gun. Right. So. So when we first started working together, I'm like, I'm not using that term. That's a hot lunch. I'm like, you know, <laughs> so, so we, so down the road, you know, we made a few arrests together, whatever, whatever. So one day we, we, we grab a guy and, and I end up finding the gun, you know, just the, the bad guy had the gun. He happened to be closer to me that I found the gun. And, and, and I go to the lieutenant. I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, say when we're done with this, why don't we go get us a nice hot lunch? You know, I used his thing. So he's looking at me. He's like, come on, we just ate. And I'm like, 
no, no, no. Um, let's go for a nice hot lunch, you know? <laughs> and I had to say it like three times. I wish I could have had it on video. And he jumped up. He's like, really? Really? You know, and he grabbed the other guy and he cuffed him up, you know? And uh, it was pretty funny. I remember Lieutenant, pretty- Lieutenant Chalice from uh, Street Crime taught me that term. Hot lunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought- yeah. I, like I said, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of it, but you know, I, the one time I used it because he, you know, we were making a rest all along and not using that term, you know. Right. And uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. It was Michael Silly, thank you so much for five dollar uh, super chat. Highly appreciated, Christopher Strom. You're the man. I'm seeing you. Christopher Strom has a book called Brooklyn to Baghdad, and it just made it in the top ten or top twenty of books about the Iraq war. Wow. Congratulations. That's pretty cool. And he was, he's hired as, you know how you can go on the circuit as a speaker, right? He's, he was hired to do that. So he's, uh, he's been on our show a couple of times. He's a great guy and he's doing really well with his book. That's good to hear. It's always good to have other members of the service doing well. Right. I, 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 you know what? I, I, I love to hear stories of success. You know, when someone writes a book or someone gets into movies or, Gets to do, you know, either way, it's just, it's, it's great. You know, there's life after the job. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You want to tell us, I know you love telling war stories. You want to tell a story about how you were shot at from the roof of uh, university? Oh, this is it. So <laughs> I, I was on a foot post. This is pretty, this is classic. I'm on a foot post. And sometimes when you're on a foot post, you only cover like one block. And if the drug dealers know you're out there, they're going to just go around the corner. So it's hard to make an arrest, you know? So I, I end up going, uh, uh, I had a sector car pick me up. I'm like, hey, do me a favor. Give me a ride. And I went off post to try to make an arrest. So this is early in my career. I only had about a year or so on. And, and you know, we're all in uniform. And so we pull up. We're on University Avenue. And another sector car pulls up with us. And they're talking with the other car. And I'm like, guys, I, I don't have much time. I, you know, I want to I want to go lock someone up, you know. <laughs> so all of a sudden I hear boom, boom, boom. I hear shots fired. So I'm like, hey, you hear that? Shots fired. And they're like, I'm just sitting in the back seat. And they're like, oh, Mr. Buff, you know, you, you, you know, you, you're hearing things. You know, you got that. I'm like, boom, boom. I hear, you know, a couple more shots. So a guy comes up to the car and is like, officer, officer. And he lifts his arm up because I just got shot. And it was almost unbelievable. He was literally standing two car lanes away from us, like waiting across the street. And he got sh- so he ends up falling over on the floor. So I jump out, I look up, and there's there's you know it had to be I don't know uh, a couple buildings over. So it wasn't far, but it wasn't close. Right. And there's a kid leaning off the roof with a rifle, and he blows out the car window next to me. They were shooting at us, but they could you know they like thank God they, their aim wasn't that great, or you know. Or, or they would, you know, I don't know, just trying to scare us. But, you know, it, it did. So we ended up running in the building. I put it over the radio. We big chase, go across the rooftops. They get, they get stuck on the roof. And the kid's screaming, I'll shoot you, I'll shoot you, you know. So I'm like, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting for issue. So finally, I boom the door. They go down a fire escape. I end up getting five of the kids that were on the roof. I got, you know, uh, all five of their families, because they were juveniles, to get them to make admissions of guilt. Because, you know, I gained their confidence. I would, you know, tell them, listen, you know, you want them to go for attempted murder or you want them to go, you know. We had, I recovered the gun. I recovered all the spent rounds that were fired. I recovered extra ammunition, you know. The cop that was in the car is like, yeah, I'm going to take this. I'm like, 
what do you mean you're gonna take this? You you didn't even you, you didn't even think it was shots fired. I caught the kids. <laughs> I, I I found the gun. He's like, it's, you know, and back then you remember you you had certain you know for the non-cops out there you had sectors. Right. The sector was an area that covered you know four or five blocks, and you were technically assigned to that sector. So if any call came over, you had to pick up that call if you know if you weren't busy. So if it was an arrest situation, it was your sector. You had to take or you would take the arrest. And sure enough, he took the arrest. Oh, and I man. didn't get it. He got shafted because you were a rookie, you know? No, he was a rookie too. It was just oh. that, you know, how you know, because then his boss came over and they were like, all right, what were you doing in the car? You know, I was supposed to be on the foot post, you know, 10 blocks away. So I was off post. It was. Oh, uh, so you, you know, were going to take a, a, a complaint. So you, you gave which up. Which I would have gladly taken. I mean, it was, a, it was a great arrest, you know? I mean, but. And then Walter, we, we got. Walter Scotty Wagner asked if you remember the murder of an off-duty police officer from the four three killed in the projects in the four Fontanez, Fontanez, right? Fontanez, Hector Fontanez. Yeah, he's saying it was, his name was Serrano. Was it a- Hector Anthony Ser- Serrano? Yeah, Fontanez was four seven. All right. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. Actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh man, I'm getting old. The block. He's saying Hil- uh, Hilario Serrano shot and killed in January of 1992. Some guys tried to rob him and his girlfriend, and the shootout erupted. He died trying to protect his girlfriend, and she survived. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. I th- uh, not T, but uh, it'll come to me. Yeah, uh, again, I'm getting old, but yeah, I do. I actually, I do remember it. You know, someone said that uh, you should be drinking, uh, eating some kielbasa, and have some cold beer. <laughs> I can't taste it, so it don't matter. <laughs> and right now with the drinking, I'm I'm kind of laying low. I got some blood work done, and I still have some things off in my blood. So right now, I'm just kind of drinking a lot of water. And well, and, well, uh, you're you're a fighter. You'll come back, man. You'll yeah, come back yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta keep the Medal of Valor page going. You know, keep yeah, no doubt, happy. no doubt. But yeah, the four six was a it was a. Hey, we had our. Uh, uh, I give you a, a back in the day. We had a. Uh, it was a big corruption scandal, and uh, part of the Marlin Commission w- was set up to investigate the corruption, and a bunch of it was stemming from the 4-6. We had two cops, Bernie Cawley and Tommy Bogart, and, uh, you know, they were running amok, you know, corrupt corruption-wise. And unfortunately, uh, the unit they were in was called the band unit, Bronx Anti-Narcotics Drive, and they worked the – I was in the band unit, which was, like, supposedly, like, a stepping stone for a career move. Yeah, what and, instrument did you play? Uh, I was the uh, – <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm going to leave that one alone. All right. But uh, it, was, it stood for Bronx Anti-Narcotics Drive. And it was basically uh, – most it was uniform, and, and you kind of just went out and did, like, drug arrests and, and try to, you know, get the guns or whatever like that. And my, I'll tell you what, my, uh, my first month in the unit – uh, in uniform in a marked van, I made with my partner twenty-two arrests, eleven gun collars. Wow! In my first month in the band unit. But anyway, get back to the the, the Bernie Cawley and, and Tommy Bogart. So after that, they there was a lot of you know again reaction. Oh, let's get rid of the band unit and get you know. So they so I happened to make an arrest. Uh, I locked up a. a we get a, they get a call. Uh, some type of radio run in a building. I go, I, we, we get there first. A guy's coming out with a gun in his waist, big guy. And you talk about this story is going to go into a million different directions. A movie could be made on this story. I get the guy 
He's got a gun. I mean, the guy was looking up at the guy. He's like six four. You know, I put my I pull I have my gun in his stomach. I'm like, get on your knees. And he starts calling me Duke, Duke. He's like, You remember me? Give and I'm thinking, like, is this guy a cop? Because that was like my nickname when I first because I used to work at in corrections. I worked at Rikers Island for a year before I came on NYPD. Well, don't tell me he was a former client. <laughs> he was he was an inmate at Rikers Island. And when I used to, like with inmates, I'm not going to remember names because I would work in a dorm, which would house 60, 70, 80 inmates. So I used to call everybody Duke. I'm like, Duke, you know, like every inmate was Dukes. And then eventually <laughs> people started calling me Duke. Right. So it turns out he's one of the inmates from Rikers Island. So I'm like, all right, all right. You know, I cuff him up. I'm like, so now I hear screaming in the building. I'm thinking he just shot somebody. So we go in and I hear, I go up to an apartment, second floor, third floor, and I hear yelling. I knock on the door and it's big guy comes out big like crazy looking and as he opens the door he's thinking it's the guy with the gun coming back who they must have had an argument behind him is a whole like drug factory you know there's there's bags of crack and scales and money and so now he tries to close the door but usually they try to go back in but he was so far out he came and tried to close the door behind him uh-huh. so i end up locking him up i end up locking up his, his he had a, a female in the apartment and uh, we, we end up getting a whole, like, A1 felony weight of, you know, a big bag of crack and money and, and, and bullets. And, well, what happens is now the job wants to do an investigation. Like, why, you know, how did we make all these arrests? And, and there was, you know, put us through hell. They, the guy's name, and, and anybody watching this, you, you get bored, you can Google this. The guy's name was Andre Page was the bad guy with the A1 felony weight. Turns out he was, they dropped the charges on him because there was a pending allegation against me because they didn't like the way the paperwork was done. They thought something was funny. So the NYPD let an A1 felony go, okay, through the DA's office. This guy went on to commit 11 homicides. Wow. Now, I know that it sounds preposterous, but it, you could, it's all, you can Google it. Andre Page. Back in he the was day, a, those things could happen, you know. He went out and he he was he was a drug enforcer, so they actually did a documentary on the guy. It was on like one of these cable shows. One night I was watching. It was called uh, "The Shadow of a Kingpin," and it was about his boss. And then one night I'm watching. I'm like, "Oh, this looks interesting." And they're like, they're mentioning the drug deal, and they're like, "His hitman, Andre Page." I'm like, "That's my guy," you know. <laughs> oh, it, it was That's just the a guy wild who called twist. me Duke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just a wild twist to the story, and and originally when it went to IAB, the lieutenant that was investigating me, you know, he, after the investigation, he said, "Listen, officer, you know, no hard feelings here." You know, meanwhile, you're looking to arrest me. Uh, he goes, "Look, I'm just doing my job." I said, "Listen, I respect your rank and I respect the job you do." I says, "But you just got the wrong guy." I says, I, "You know, don't try to tie me in with the, with you know." with these bad guys, I'm out here, you know, I'm doing this for the overtime and the guts and the glory and, you know, just doing the right thing for the city of New York. I mean, as corny as it may sound, but you know, cops do that. You know, I, I mean, again, cops get all this bad press, but in reality, you know, they're going out there taking risks in neighborhoods that are not theirs right. to clean it up, to make it better for the good people. You know, that's a, that's one thing that you don't hear a lot, you know, no, you, you, you know, like now that absolutely don't. And that that's so true. You know, they're trying, I don't know if it's passed yet, but I think they're trying to make, you have to be a resident of New York City to be a police officer now in the NYPD. And I, I get what they're trying to do, but in reality, 
there's nothing wrong with living outside of the city. And I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I grew up in the Bronx. I, I originally grew up in the four five, which was at the time a decent neighborhood, but we have a, there's a young cop now that's in, in, in what they call, it's not anti-crime anymore, but I mean, they're sending me guns every other day, you know, uh, that they're taking, which was unheard of in the four five. You know, that was just like a big, the only crimes were there was like the mob, you know, and you, right. you never heard about them, you know, it wasn't like they were getting locked up, you know? And it, Walter, it was, Walter, I want to show the front, the page, you beyond the line of duty page. And, uh, if you could see that there, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, t tell our audience what they're looking at. All right. So give or take about 15 years ago, I, I started, you always heard on the news, you always heard a lot of people making the claim, most decorated cop, most decorated cop of the NYPD. There was, there was a cop that wrote a book. He said he was the fifth most and the 11th most. So I actually said, okay, who is or was the most decorated police officer of the NYPD? So I started, I, I mean, I was going down to the New York archives. I, I, I attend Metal Day every year. And I started com composing, you know, this is when the, inter you know, the early stages of the internet. So there wasn't a ton of information out there. And I started doing research on Metal Day of the NYPD. And then highly decorated or earlier when you introduced me, you, you said I was one of the highest decorated. The actual term would be most decorated. So it's okay. the amount of medals, not the higher medals, because I was never at Medal Day. So it's just the, the amount of medals, you know, that I had a lot of. So I started the Web page uh, beyond the line of duty. And I dedicated it to, again, similar to the NYPD Valor page of highly decorated cops that were at Medal Day and or a lot of medals. So that's kind of the page is a little bit outdated. Uh, I mean, the, the original I did it through Yahoo, which, again, that's I'm dating myself there. It's you know, it's. I need to update it. But if you click on the page, it's beyondthelineofduty.com. Uh, I own the rights to that and .net. Uh, and you click on it. It's pretty easy to navigate. On the top, there's a bar, and, and you can hit heroes, and then you can pull up stories or or just photos of cops that have been, you know, very active in the NYPD. And then I also give a, a history of the medals. And that's, Walt, that, that's tremendous because, you know, it's almost when you think about it, it's almost inexcusable that there's no one on the NYPD uh, that 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 has that 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 takes care of that. There's the uh, there's the top medals on the NYPD from your page. Yeah, and that's all the breast bars that. And if you click, you could actually click them, and it'll give you uh, the criteria for the medal. Again, that's the a site's a little outdated, but uh, I mean, I used to have more on the about me and the dedication page. Uh, and again, at the top, the main thing is you click the heroes and then it opens up in categories by rank. And uh, you can go down and click. I, I, I dedicate a, a, a bunch of pages to emergency service, uh, which is the NYPD's version of, quote unquote, everybody knows the term SWAT. We right. have ESU. You, you never call our ESU SWAT because that's a California thing. They oh, yeah, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course not. No, no, listen. I, I, you know they what? They want to be called ESU because they're proud to be ESU. They don't want to be no known doubt. SWAT. You know, hey, listen, when people get in trouble, they call the cops. When <laughs> cops get in trouble, they call ESU. I, I, that, I love that limerick. I'm glad I didn't have to do it. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I'll tell you another thing. You know, speaking of medals and highly decorated, years ago, a lot of people, and even today, people say, well, ESU, no matter what they do, they get a high medal, you know? And I got, I was fortunate enough to, to, to cross the Verrazano Bridge. I got to climb the Verrazano Bridge with the issue. And I'll tell you what, 
you go up, climb that bridge and pull somebody down, you deserve a high medal. And I don't care if you do it once a day, twice a day, you deserve a high medal. So, you know what? I tell people, hey, don't be jealous. Be their friends. And, you know, you know something, and if- Walt, that's for sure. When I looked at the picture of the guys climbing it and I looked down and I was like, oh, my God, I wouldn't do that for anything. You know, you know, you know it's funny. When, when I actually did it, uh, when I climbed up, the scariest part, I thought at least, was we just stopped on the bridge. Like there wasn't like they set up, you know, I mean, they do it very safe. I mean, they, 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 they spare no, you know, uh, they put out, you know, they have vehicles, you know, before and behind, they put out all sorts of, you know, messages that, you know, we're doing the training things so or just people don't get alarmed. But when I got out and, and they put the ladder, like you go up the ladder first to get to the, the, the cable that you actually walk on. And, that climbing the ladder was like the scariest part, you know, even though they, <laughs> again, you have somebody behind you, you have somebody up top, you're always clipped in. It's always, but it, you know what? I have nothing but admiration. I actually, after nine 11, I actually almost went to ESU. I was slated to go into the next group of training. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I actually, uh, a good friend of mine, I called up and I said, look, I never asked for anything. And I'm like, Hey, I, I'd like to be considered for ESU. And I had the time and I had the, you know, the record to, you know, to be able to go and, and I, we got the call back saying, okay, you're in the next group. But I had some personal family issues at the time, and I, I couldn't do the hours. I couldn't do the tour changes. And so I, n- I never got to go. But, I, again, no, you, the issue – You never got to be an E-man. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I actually went – they have a, a, a Remembrance Day. It's called Rima. And they, they have it. It's at Floyd Bennett Field. And I actually went out there. You talk about buffs. I went out there just to meet E-men. You know, and uh-huh. these were guys from, like, the 70s and – and I met a bunch of really, you know, again, for my website and just to get information and, and be part of it. It was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, you know something, Walt, there's no bigger buff than you. And everyone on this department really appreciates what the hell you do. I can't believe that you've kept it going for so many years because it's it's really highly appreciated. Duty Ron, thank you so much for the $10 uh, super sticker. You're the man. Welcome to the show. Duty Ron has a great um, podcast himself. And, Walt, you should go on his show. In fact, when he's listening to this, I'm sure he's going to ask me for your, um, ha- for your ha- contact info. Have his info. people call my people. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Brooklyn and the Rare Old Times, thank you so much for the 1999 Super uh, Sticker. It's so great. Thank you so much. And hi at Bill Gannon, but I'm actually – Bill Gannon was from Dragnet. My last name is Cannon, but thank you very much. I don't mind being called Bill Gannon, Sergeant Bill Gannon from Dragnet. That was a hell of a great show, right? <laughs> Hey, I, I, while you're giving some shout-outs, I'm going to give a couple shout-outs if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's two names uh, I, I'd like to mention. There's, uh, one is a, a Lieutenant uh, Richie Bergen. Uh, I believe his wife's a big fan of the show. I believe he's watching the show tonight. If not, he'll see the video, you know, the, the rerun of it. Uh, Richie Bergen was originally a Brooklyn guy, a 6'7 cop. Uh, he worked with Mike Heinrichs, who you, you, you've had on the show a few times. Mike Heinrichs uh, is the best, man. I've had him on the real crime portion of the show, too. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got is, some great he, stories. You know what? Yeah, he he is. But but Richie, Richie was uh he was involved in a bunch of shootings. Uh Richie was one of the most decorated cops. He was he was awarded three medals for valor at Medal Day. And he's only one of seven officers in the history of the NYPD to go to Medal Day for you know three times or more. Uh so Richie Bergen retired recently within the last year. 
uh, a legend. And there's a guy, you know, maybe you should think about getting him on the show. You know something? I actually read about him. He, he retired as a lieutenant, right? Correct. Yes, yeah. Correct. Yeah. No, I, 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 I had written his name down and I had intended on asking him. But you know what? It's so it's tough and I'm not complaining, but I do all the booking for this show. Right, as right. well as I produce it and everything. And so it's, it's a lot of work, believe it or not. And, you know, it's because we do Monday, we do Mondays and Thursdays. So I got to book someone ahead of time. Right. And it, it's tough. You know, it's you, you, I want to keep the quality of guests to the highest level, you know. Well, Rich, he's, he's very articulate he's, and he's a great cop and he's a good guy. And again, I want to congratulate him on his retirement. And I'm going to throw another name at you that, uh, and there'll, there'll be two parts to this story. Uh, you know, the NYPD has, they just started, I believe last week, a, a database where you can go on, it's nypd.org, and you can go online and actually look at all the current, it, it doesn't have retirees, but it has all the current, whatever it is, 35,000 plus members of the service, all the way up to chief of the department. And you could get like a little bio of them. So you can get like what ranks they held, uh, when they were appointed, their medals, uh, and how many arrests they made, and also their complaints, which, you know. And so you talk about Nutty, Buffy, or, or very into, into my passion for this subject. I actually scrolled through every single name on that list. And one name I didn't see, and I'd like to give a, a, a shout-out, as uh, a, a, a lieutenant that re just recently retired because he wasn't on the list. His name's Chris Devaney. And Chris Devaney was the most decorated officer uh, currently of the NYPD. Chris had a total of 419 awards from the NYPD. Wow. Uh, excellent police duty, which is the first medal. That, you know, I hate to use the term lowest, but usually it's for a gun arrest. Chris holds the record for the department for 258 excellent police duty medals. Wow. Uh, and he recently retired. Uh, I, I think he had some health issues. I don't know the whole story. But you want to talk about a legend. And the way I met him was uh, a few years ago, I went to a funeral. You know, as I was retired. I just attended the funeral. And I'm in the crowd. And everybody, you know, I'm in a suit. And everybody's in uniform. And I look up. And I see the numbers on his medals. And I'm like, you know, what? And he's looking at me like, who's this nut job, you know? And then eventually, <laughs> I, you know, somebody knew somebody that knew somebody that put me in touch with him. He's a really good guy. Uh, he, I think, uh, he's got, a, a his son on the job, uh, actually two sons, one works down, I think in North Carolina and the other one's on the NYPD, but Chris Devaney, great guy. Everybody should know his name in the NYPD. Uh, and again, you know, 400 and over four, he probably would have had more, but he stopped at, you know, 419 medals through the, through the department. Walter, what you do is so damn important. I mean, it's you're a historian. Cat in the Hat, thank you so much for that 999 super sticker. Some of the people that I'm seeing in the chat tonight, thank you so much for coming by the show. I want to post this up there because these guys, two of them I know pretty well. And 3-2 uh, Anti-Crime, legends. To the left, Tommy Kennedy. In the middle of that picture, Terry McGee. And to the right, Tommy Barrett. And all three of them, uh, outstanding, outstanding cops. And uh, I, I know you celebrated them on your site. That's why I'm showing this one. You know, uh, side note, interesting you brought him up. Uh, Terry McGee, uh, he, the, the guy Andre Page, Terry McGee actually locked him up in the 3-2. Uh, 
And he got him like in a, he, he was actually going to do a hit. He locked up Andre Page. I think he had a, a, a bulletproof vest on and a gun with a silencer, which everyone watching this show knows it's very, very rare to get a silencer, you know, as an arrest in the NYPD. It's not a common, there's two things that are not common in the NYPD. I mean, there's quite a few things, but two things when it comes gun arrests are silencers and fully automatic, you know, a machine gun where you pull the trigger and it, you know, like in the movies, you know, it, sh it shoots 30 rounds in a few seconds. Uh, right. Not very common. And, and Terry and Terry McGee locked up Andre Page with the with the a gun with a silencer. He was actually going to do a hit. But uh, Terry McGee, it, they're all three of them are legends. But Terry, Terry, uh, uh, for the viewers that don't know, he was involved. He was doing uh, some terrorist uh, investigative work overseas, and he was involved in an accident in the water. Uh, and it left him, you know, with a serious physical injury. And he's still on the job today. Matter of fact, Terry McGee uh, was did the investigation, and actually, for all his work, I believe it was Bin Laden, you know, the the, the terrorist, you know, Osama Bin Laden, right, locked up like his nephew or his son or something like that for terrorist-related, you know, think about it, you know, I mean. It, not the kudos to, to 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 that team and, and Terry McGee, you know, especially. Terry McGee, um, I I had the um in nineteen um excuse me, two thousand uh I'm lo I'm losing my mind. Nineteen ninety-seven, I was transferred from the two four rip unit to the two three rip. And at first I wasn't happy about it. Then I got to the two three, it was like having the World Series New York Yankees that rip. I had 12 detectives that were all hungry. Some of the guys were making, you know, double figures arrests every month, you know. Terry McGee was one of them. Patty Porteous, Richie Pop. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget people and people are gonna curse me out, but the whole the whole unit were filled with superstars. Kurt Lindell, Mike Murphy. Uh it, it was just it was just a great, great uh no, uh, uh, Terry Terry McGee actually was a former uh, Scott was saying he was an anti crime cop, but he was a three two anti crime cop, and he was a uh, two three rip uh, cop and detective. What the? It is a great story. I, I made. I, I'm going to make a long story short, but we, my partner and I were doing midnights, and we end up making a, a, a crazy gun arrest. The guy had like a little machine gun pistol, and he was going to do a hit, and we we caught him running through the street with the gun, and. We almost shot him, and it got into a brutal battle or whatever. So we sustained some minor injuries, you know, line of duty, making the arrest. And naturally, we you go sick, you know, because you, down the road, if you hurt your knee or something like that, you, you you have to document it. So we went sick. And with the NYPD, once you go sick for more than two days, you have to go to see the district surgeon. You have to go see a, an NYPD doctor, basically. And they deem if you're fit for duty or you need more time off. So I'm in I'm I'm in I'm in the 50 precinct, the district, the, the the surgeon headquarters or whatever they call it, and I'm reading the newspaper and I'm reading a story about a cop goes to stop a car, guy gets out and, and, and had a gun, shoots the cop, the bullet goes through his belt, hits him in the stomach. The cop chases down the guy that just shot him. After being shot, handcuffs him, place him under arrest. That was Terry McGee. Yeah. And I'm reading this story in the paper. And I'm like, this is incredible. Wow, what a hero. And all of a sudden, my partner goes, you know who that guy is. And I go, never met him in my life. He goes, you know who that guy is. I said, listen, I don't know who he is. 
And God is my witness. He goes, well, put down the paper. He's sitting right in front of you. It was right after he got shot. I put the paper down. It's Terry McGee sitting across. I go, what are you doing here? <laughs> Don't. I forgot what he said. He goes, I have four kids or five kids. He goes, I got to get back. I need the overtime. <laughs> I go, you just got shot. And, and we became friends after that. And then uh, I was involved in a shootout, you know, semi around that same time. And the, the PBA honored us. They have the PBA has an award, a very prestigious award, PBA Cop of the Month. And I was awarded the, the PBA Cop of the Month. And so was Terry McGee, the same award, the same dinner. So we sat at the same table together. And and then, you know, another time I was honored by the Shields. And coincidentally, you know, I could I mean, I no way I could even put my name next to his. But he was getting honored, you know. So we and we, you know, we always remained we always remained in touch. And a few years ago, the Pope came down to ground zero. Uh, to bless, you know, the, the ground zero, the, you know, the pools. Right. And I was the first one there. I, I, had, I, I won like a lottery type thing uh, through the World Trade Center Foundation. You know, they only had a certain amount of people that can go. So I ended up getting there like three in the morning. I was like the second person there. So when I got in, I was the first person to be at the fence line to where the cross where the Pope came to bless the ground, you know, the, 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 the ground zero. So, uh, the World Trade Center monument. I shouldn't even say Ground Zero. Uh -huh. So all of us, like a lot of people, were using connections to get up to, you know, get closer to the Pope. So you know, a few people were, you know, passing, passing. So somebody was passing through. Like I right, make, you know, make a hole, make a hole, let him through. And who is it? It was a cop with Terry McGee. And I said to myself, I mean, I, I was so heartwarming. And he's, hey, what's up? And you know, we took a photo together. And I was like, in my heart, I'm like, if anybody gets to meet the Pope, I hope he does. And sure enough, the Pope came over and blessed him. That's and it fantastic. was, I, I, you know, it, 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 anybody deserved it. He, Terry McGee did. That's fantastic. What a great story that is, man. Yeah, yeah. Cool story. You know, it's, Walt, I know you, we're, at, we're at close to an hour, but I want to just keep going a little bit because I know you had some stories that you wanted to tell. And I think we should probably, because we're honoring people, why don't we keep, Doing that in honor of uh, police officer Gary Pico. Ah, uh, well, back again. Uh, I'm bad with numbers. I'm going to say, I think it was 88 or 89. No, it was 1989. Yeah, 1989. I was doing, it was like my first week of midnights. So I just went to steady midnights. And I was in uniform. And we were parked in the car. And you know, it was quiet. The radio was quiet. And the 4-6 used to border with the 5-2 precinct. And although we actually connected, we were on different radio frequencies. And so something could be happening right across the street from you, but it won't come over your radio. Uh -huh. So to explain to the viewers that there aren't police officers, so our central radio, they are all, all in the same building. So the 5-2's dispatcher would actually have to turn around to the 4-6 precinct's dispatcher if a, heavy, if a heavy job came over, and they would relay the message to them, and they would give it to us. So a call came over. They would call it unconfirmed shots fired in the 5-2. So I'm like, okay, you know, that could be close to us. Or it could be far. It's right around the corner from me. And I'm like, that's impossible. I didn't hear shots. Right. So I, I put myself that I'm, you know, I'm pulling up. As I we pull up to the location, cop comes running out of the bushes. Scared the hell out of me. It's like, you know, 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, they stole my car. They stole my car. And I'm like, they stole your car? What, do you, what happened was the 5-2 in uniform stopped the car. And 
there was three bad guys in the car with guns came out shooting and got in a gun battle with the five two cops. They stole the five two cars police car, as crazy it may sound. And so the cop told me, so I, I, I put it over the radio. I said, listen, we're looking for, you know, a marked police vehicle with the back window shot out. So no sooner as I put that over, 10 blocks away, another car comes over. And then, and from the four, you know, four, six, and they say, hey, we got the car in sight. We're chasing them. So now as they're putting it over, and this is not the location, but you'll understand what I'm trying to say. They put it over. We're on 190 Street, 195 Street, two, you know, 203. Like, so they're going 100 miles an hour. And then they go, we lost them. So everyone, you listen to the radio, like, how could you lose a, a, a marked police car? Well, then another car comes over and says, Central, we have the car in sight. We're on 185 Street. And the other car goes, I lost them 30 blocks away. That's impossible. So the second car goes, shut the F up. I know I'm chasing a cop <laughs> car with a, well, you know, how many broken window cop cars are there, you know? So now we all get into the chase. The chase is going up and down. Uh, I think it was Jerome. And then it eventually went to the Grand Concourse. Well, during the chase, Gary Pico was a housing. He was in a marked police housing vehicle. Him and his partner, they were driving down the concourse, and basically an ambulance was involved, and somehow they made contact, and causing uh, the housing RMP to crash into a pole. And my at the time, my squad sergeant, who was uh, a Vietnam veteran, uh, good guy, this guy Gil Pelez, real squared away guy, really good guy. He he was the first on the scene to that. So now we're still chasing this. Three bad guys with guns who stole a police vehicle. Now Gary Pico's car crashed. Gary went through the window and he, and, he, and he he died from his injuries. So the sergeant was on the scene. He's the first there to see this. He's calling off the chase. So you know, in the NYPD, uh, they don't, for various reasons, they don't like police chases because the risk of hitting someone could be sometimes outweigh what the person's wanted for. Well, he's trying to call off the chase because, I mean, he's like almost in tears seeing, you know, a, a cop either dying or dead at his feet. And then, so eventually the, the car we're chasing crashes. So the first car that was behind them crashes into them. The second car that was behind them crashes into them. The third car. Now, I'm, I'm like fifth or sixth in line. The third car veers away from crashing but takes off the cop's door you know this i mean it was like out of a movie scene and then finally i i literally i was driving i stood on the brake with my whole body weight standing in the car screeching that and i i just stopped like an inch away from crashing and we end up catching you know the caught all three perps uh but yeah yeah i was uh i was the first on the scene for that with the, that whole chase you know like walt what you say uh it's so true is that <clears throat> Some of the most dangerous things, I think cops get hurt more in vehicle accidents than they do by gunfire. Statistically, more cops get killed in, in, in auto accidents. Yeah, because, all, all you know, and, and being a patrol supervisor, I mean, I know, like, when you call off a chase, all you hear over the radio is, pussy, asshole, well, well, that's, well, Yeah, well, I'm glad you said it, because that what was going on that night, not knowing that a cop died. Right. You know, uh, so, yeah, that was... Uh, that was a tough, you know, I mean, again, working a night that, you know, police, you know, it's not like we're in the military, but people get killed all the time. You know, it's not, 
not many cops work during the time where, you know, another police officer is killed or, you know, you're part of it or you have an intricate part of the chase. And, you know, that was, that was a tough one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, something that you always, for some reason, remember uh, the cops who were killed in the line of duty. It just stays with you forever because oh, yeah. you can't uh, you can't imagine just how horrible that is. You know, uh, in our in our time on the job, you know, like Russell Timoshenko, uh, the officer that was just killed from the two, three, a couple of years ago. Um, horrible, you know, horrible. And thank God that um, the investigators on the NYPD are so good that we always, we always catch these guys. You know, you know I'll tell you, I, I was never a detective, but I, I, I am in awe and nothing but admiration for, for many of the NYPD detectives. The cases they solve and, and, and you're like, how did they even know like to – it's just stuff that I never really, I didn't do a lot of investigatory, you know, uh, police work. You know, I was more, I did the street work, you know, and, and the, I, I just amazed at some of the stuff that they solved. Yeah. You know, investigation, uh, for those out there that don't know how the detectives do it, it used to be almost considered like magic. You know, how did they do that? How did they know that? And I always tell people, cause I used to teach criminal justice in college that, you know, investigation is an art and a science. And, you know, when you use those two things together and you have great people doing the work, it's tough to beat, you know. It's and it's a lot of luck, to too. <laughs> there, there's always luck involved. I know, you know? I but know. When you work seven days a week, 14, 16 hours a day, then you make your own luck, right? Yeah. Diane no Wilson, doubt. thank you so much for that $1.49. A, a dollar, no, it's actually $1.49. I'm saying dollar. It's pounds. So you must be from the the other side, across the pound, Diane Wilson. Thank across you so pond. much. Across the pond. Our fans are coming from all over the place because Duty Ron has turned a lot of his fans onto our show, and they're coming to see us. And I appreciate Duty Ron. Thank you so much. Uh, Scotty Wagner, uh, was that your first homicide, Gary Pico? Uh, it happened on May 24th, 1988, according to the um, live chat here. It's a long time yeah, ago. I thought it was 89, but again, yeah, yeah. Was that my first homicide? No, uh, Scotty Wagner. He was uh, he was a housing uh, investor. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I was I was actually – I went down to actually – I was one of the only, if I remember correctly, uh, that was the sect that we actually went down for the – and if I'm not mistaken, they took a plea that day. That's great. Chris Devaney uh, is in the live chat. He said, Walter, thank you for all you do and your kind words. Like I said, I, Chris, uh, good luck in your retirement. And it, there's a guy you want to have on this show. Everybody in the NYPD should know his name. And you talk about a guy that's like super low key and, you know, just a good guy, salt of the earth, New York's finest. You know, it's always the, probably the people that are the best at what they do, great athletes, great fighters that are the, mo the most humble. And same thing with police officers. Some of the best are the most humble, you know? Yeah. I, I, I throw another name at you, a good buddy of mine. Uh, he was a boss on the job, Tommy Barnes. Uh, uh, he, you know what, he became boss, you know, early in his career, but he was involved in tons of like great arrests, supervised some great cops that, you know, he he had his hands in on a lot of good stuff. Wasn't a big metal guy. That just wasn't his thing, you know. Uh, but after he retired, we we, we did, we have, I, I, I went on to do a lot of like security you know, executive protection type work. And Tommy was doing some work. And and sure enough, I don't know if you remember this, it was in Harlem 
where uh, uh, I don't know if it was one or two perps were robbing a pharmacy. And I think it was two female officers showed up and the, and the perps came out shooting. And turns out, oh, that Tom, was that was in the two three, yeah, an off duty yeah. lieutenant shot and killed the guy. That Tommy Barnes, and and you know, cool comic collect. He's, he's he's filling up his his boss's his clients, uh, you know, his vehicle. That was his, you know, his take home vehicle. And cool comic collected uh, the perp shooting at the cop and and running towards Tommy. And I think he fired three rounds, hit the guy three times and like two times in the head or once in the chest. Yeah, you know what? He was a chauffeur for some rich guy, and I heard the guy wasn't too happy that he got no, in the shootout. No, 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 he wasn't. But uh, <laughs> You're my chauffeur. Good... Don't be getting in shootouts. <laughs> yeah, Tommy's a good cop and a good friend, a good salt-of-the-earth guy. So uh, we've become close over the years, and, and, and yeah, I got to tip my hat off to him. Good guy. i like to shout out to him. He did a fantastic job. There's a picture of you on the screen of your first appearance on uh, on Police Off the Cuff. Man, I, was I, look, down I, at, I, I look healthy there, night and day from now, huh? You look much healthier. That was at 35 Worth Street. I look like yeah, a little Yeah, I'll tell you what, get me, on, get me on another year from now. Hopefully I can match that look. <laughs> you'll, you'll be the diesel Walter Wazalewski again. Yeah, well, I look And, Walt, here you are. Do you remember that picture, Walt? I do. I was uh, That was the... That was the hot lunch uh, guy I was talking about, Paul, Lieutenant Paul McMahon. Good guy, great cop. Uh, his dad was a legend on the job, Inspector McMahon. I know, uh, I know Paul yeah, McMahon. Paul McMahon was in the 208 anti-crime as a cop. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Well, that was, uh, I think there was about four or five guns there. That was, that was, a, that was another, that was one of my last arrests before. I, that was one of the reasons I retired. I We had a pickup of a person stabbed. And then it turns out a second person was stabbed. And, uh. Person that got stabbed, uh, turns out he was like an ex-Golden Gloves guy, but now he's like a crackhead. It was all a dispute over drugs and money. And he said he punched the bad guy in the nose and he, and he broke his nose. And I'm like, how do you know he broke his nose? And he, and he showed me he had the Golden Gloves. I mean, now he was like a shell of himself, uh, kind of like I am now after being sick. But And he was a Golden Gloves boxer or an ex-Golden Glove. And he punched a perp that just stabbed him. And... I look and there's blood in the street. So I asked the guy, I said, were you in the street? He's like, no, he stabbed me. I punched him and I fell here. And that's like, I was literally a couple car lengths away. I didn't see, you know, the, the where the bad guy ran, but I saw the blood in the street. So like, almost like Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd, I'm following the blood drops, you know, with, with, with the lieutenant and it goes yeah. into a building. And sure enough, it led into the apartment. The perp ended up going out the window, but we eventually got him, you know, we eventually got him. And it was that night. And I kid you not, I worked like three days straight. There was like 60-something vouchers. There was five. It was like 10 different types of drugs and money and this and that. But on top of it, I got a bunch of complaints on that. You know, the the, 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 perp, the perp ended up taking – the bad guy ended up taking a plea to like all the – you know, the case. But he said I, 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 I stole a gun and a bulletproof vest from him. So oh, meanwhile, wow. I, I just couldn't – and internal affairs actually said, you know, there might be some truth to this. Why would this guy lie? I mean, I just put him out of business, put him away for, you know, double attempted murder and five guns and A1 felony drug weight. And, and, and you know, that's yeah, what why, I realized. Why, yeah, why would he lie? Would yeah, why he would lie? he lie? And I was like, you know what? It, it, this, this is, this is the, be the beginning of the end, the alpha, the omega for my career. And uh, <laughs> shortly after that, I left. Brenda Redmond, thank you so much for that $5 super chat. We're going to start winding down right now. I mean, Walter is an unbelievable guest. 
what he does for the NYPD to this day is such a morale booster for everyone that's still on the job. Guys from Anti-Crime reached out to me asking me to thank Walter on the air, and that's what I, what I intended on doing. Getting back a little bit to promote the uh, police off the cuff, um, we would appreciate if you would join our Patreon. We have three tiers to our Patreon. Uh, for $7 a month, you get called the bucket. <laughs> for, for $9 a month, you get all our content, and you can get to polish my rack. And for $11 a month, that's the premier tier. You get to dip anything you want in butter, all right? So that's for $11 a month. Also, would you please uh, join our YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel? Uh, we just went over 3,000, and we're, we're trying to build that up. Uh, Duty Ron has helped us a lot build our um, YouTube channel up, and that's the key to having a, a successful podcast. Walter, what can I say, man? All I can hey, say listen, is- listen, I appreciate you having me on not once but twice. I, I, it means a lot to me. Uh, it's important that I, the work that I do, I do it. You know, I, I don't do it for myself. I mean, I do get a kick out of it. I find it fascinating, but I I, I do it for the cops. Uh, I guess my webpage on, on Facebook, anybody that's out there, it's not a member. It's NYPD Valor. It's a private page on Facebook. You don't have to be decorated. You, you could be in the academy. Uh, the only thing I do ask is uh, there's three questions that you have to answer. Just answer the questions to get on. And you got you to gotta keep it to just NYPD Valor. I don't get into politics. I don't get into opinions. I, we, you know, we all know that the governor sucks and, 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 and politicians <laughs> You know, and and the and the criminal justice system doesn't work, and we get that. But my page is not for that. It's just for the cops. It's those that go beyond the line of duty. Uh, I know you keep showing the the coin. We have a we have a coin, NYPD Valor coin. I know you. It's part of. Let me see if I, I, it, I can put it. Not, I put, there you go, Walt. There it is. There it's you on go. The yeah, screen. It's, it, I designed the coin. It's it, it's it's all about. It's all the medals of the NYPD, and at the bottom of it says uh, NYPD Valor, and Beyond the Line of Duty is the actual original webpage. Uh, you know, they're available through the website. Uh, that's it, man. I, again, I, I tip my hat off to the cops today. Uh, you know, I'll tell you uh, one name I just want to mention real quick before we can end this. If, if, if uh, I, I'd like to give a shout out and a congratulations on his retirement, it is uh, Chief of the Department Terrence Monahan. Uh, I, I know him since he was a sergeant in the 4 6. Uh, he eventually came back, uh, as a captain. He was a CO twice of the four, six and, uh, a great guy and a great cop, you know, lately there's, you know, a lot of things going on in the news and, and, you know, with the, with the riots and so on and so forth. But there's a guy, I personally was in a call with him as a boss and put a lot, a lot of bad guys away with him at my side, hands on getting his hands dirty. Uh, rolling around with bad guys all the way up to the rank, a full inspector. Then he left. And even now, when he made chief of the department, he was out there getting bloodied. And, you know, people throw other names out there of, of chiefs of the department. And, oh, this guy would have did this. And, and there is no other chief of the department that I know of since, you know, we have the video cameras and so on. That, that was a hands-on guy that got his hands dirty. And I tell you what, I, I wish him nothing but the best and his new career, and, uh, you know, he, he did a lot for me over the years and just a good friend and just a, a, a probably one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with in the NYPD. You know, Walt, I'm sure that he'll um, appreciate that shout-out you gave him. It was really 
heartfelt and from the heart, and I'm sure. Yeah, good, good man. I'm nothing. I, again, I tip my hat. And I, I wish him well. Uh, again, I want to, you know, thank you for having me. Uh, another shout out to the PBA. Uh, they do a lot of good stuff behind the scenes. A lot of things you don't hear about. Uh, you know, all the cops that are, you know, getting sick and 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 those that pass. And you know, it seems like every other day you turn on the social media, someone passed away from something, and and they're always involved. And you know what? I, I the cops out there doing God's work, taking the guns off the street. Main thing is you go home, you go home safe, you go home just the way you came to work. You protect yourself, you protect your partner, protect your family, protect your pension. And always remember on the street, you're the boss. You are the boss. You make a decision, you stick by that decision, you take control of that situation. Make sure you get home, you get home safe, continue what you're doing, keep up the good work, keep doing what we say, God's work. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And all the folks that were watching tonight, and especially you folks that gave me uh, money with your super chats, I really appreciate it. We're keeping police off the cuff going. And uh, this Thursday, we have uh, SBA President Ed Mullins coming on. Monday, we have Chief Joe Fox. And I'm I'm keeping, uh, as the producer and the talent and the director, I, I, I'm wearing many hats, but you guys... Thank you so much for watching. From Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories, I'm Bill Cannon. Thank you so much and good night.